Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. One of my favorite passages from the Old Testament is found in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, and it says this, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. In other words, what God is saying here is that our highest boast on earth, in fact, our only boast, our only ground for glorying is in knowing God. And that's why we've been studying through the attributes of God, so that we can boast in Him. We've been looking at the shorter catechism, question number four, which asks, what is God? And the answer is that God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And today we arrive at the halfway point, God's power. God's power. So first of all, brothers, would you remind us how God's attributes work together and then tell us what God's power means. We've said before that all that is in God is God. He is a, he is a simple being in this sense that he's not made of parts. So his attribute is not a part of God. It's not a percentage of God. So when we think about God's omnipotence or his power, we need to always remember it's consistent with his whole person. Um, you know, the, he... He isn't just putting – it's not like he's – like power is a change of clothes for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put this on for today. It's something that he always is. So, And they don't operate independently from him. Mm-hmm. So he's holy in his power. He's righteous in his power. He's true in his power. You know, so we, we, we realize that um, – you know that's how that's how we're to think about the attributes, not to divide them up in such a way that we do we divide them up for our own mm-hmm. ability for because, our ability to talk about them. to to talk about them. But we have to realize they're all part of who God is. Mm-hmm. So sometimes then that leads to us using terminology that might not always be um, helpful or precise. So we'll say that God being all powerful means that God has no limits, mm-hmm. um, but. God himself has declared those things that he cannot do. Mm -hmm. Um, So as Jonathan was saying, God is a God of truth. So the word of God tells us that God cannot lie Mm -hmm. um, because that would go against his very nature. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not pitting one attribute against another Mm -hmm. in the way we sometimes think in our minds. um, And that's where the first part of that question is helpful. Um, how do God's attributes work together? Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. not separate. Mm-hmm. We 
tried to think of them in separate categories to help us, our finite minds, come to grips with the immensity of who God is. And and then that separating them out causes us to, to struggle with talking about things as clearly as we ought. Mm-hmm. So to put this in an entirely different category, I used to teach history. And so you would have a chapter that was on the age of exploration, Columbus and, and all of the rest of those great explorers. Then you would have a, a chapter on the Renaissance. Then you would have a chapter on the Reformation. And people forget that those didn't happen as three separate entities. Those happened all at the same time, that Columbus and Luther and um, Michelangelo all could sit down and have tea together. Right. Um, But we think of them historically as three different time periods because we put them in three different chapters in our history book. Right. And I think we approach the study of God too often that same way where God's attributes are different chapters. Yeah. But it's all one story that flows fluidly together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's a good analogy, Russ. And I think particularly when we when we come to God's power, um, and and maybe this is our human tendency with every one of the attributes of God that we take our experience of it. We, we, the, the, well, let me back up. The wrong way to do this is to take our experience of any attribute, write that large, and imagine that to be God. For instance, power. Uh, most of the power that, and what we think of is when we think of, of power, we think of coercive power. The, the, the that we, when you have power, you can force your will upon others. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it puts me in mind of what Jesus said to his disciples. What he says to us, he says, "You know how it is among the Gentiles that those in authority lord it over them." Mm-hmm. In other words, among the Gentiles, what authority means is. I say jump and you say how high. Mm-hmm. Right? And then Jesus goes on, it shall not be so among you. Mm-hmm. But whoever would be you know, the greatest, whoever would be first must be last, whoever would be greatest must be the servant of all. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that God's power, and, and yes, God does have ultimate power and authority over all things. Nothing challenges his power. Nothing, nothing can challenge his power. Um, but God's power is made manifest in the world in a different way, yeah. in a surprising way. You know, when we talk about God having power, we're talking about all power. Um, you know, we'll, we'll never have all power. When we, when we uh, try to communicate that we do, this is one of the areas we're not to bo- supposed to imitate God. <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, Pushing our power around, somebody's going to say, "Who died and appointed you God?" Mm-hmm. Uh, there, you know, we only can uh, imitate the moral attributes of God, not his, not his omniscience, his all knowing, not his all power, not his omnipresence. Uh, mm-hmm. We imitate the moral attributes of God. So when we think about power, we 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 want to we want to realize, um, you know, that his power is infinite. It, and his power is always working according to his person, um, you know. So, you know, th- there is some comfort in those truths, though. Yeah, you know, one of the verses that kind of gives us a grounding for God's power is from Psalm one hundred and fifteen, verse three: "Our God is in the heavens, and He does all, all that He pleases." All that He pleases. And I love how Piper talks about this verse because he, his conclusion is basically that you can't conceive of a happier being 
than God no. because God can do whatever he wants. And that, that just makes me happy just to think about a happy uh-huh. God. Uh-huh. You know? But I like the idea that he can do all that he wants. So he, God being all-powerful or um, when we talk about the power of God, we're, what we're saying is God can do all his holy will. Right. That's the Westminster Shorter or the Kids Catechism. Yeah. Yeah. All that's consistent with his character. Yeah. Right. So God can't do any everything, but he does all that that pleases him. And what pleases yeah. him is his will. What pleases him is that which is is, is in accordance with his character. Yeah. yeah, we have to think about uh, misconceptions about God's power. And one of them is there are certain things he doesn't do. For instance, uh, he can't lie. He can't sin. He can't deny himself. These are things he can't do because they're inconsistent with his moral character, his absolute perfection. Right. Well, one of the fun things that pastors and teachers and theologians get to do is that we can start to make careful distinctions when we're talking about God, and we ought to. And the reason why making these careful distinctions is so enjoyable is because often when we make these distinctions, we get to see more of God's greatness and more of God's glory. Now, such a distinction is found when we are talking about God's power. There are two ways specifically that we can think of God's power. The first is his absolute power, his limitless power, and the second is his ordinate power or his decreed power. Brothers, can you help us to understand these distinctions? Uh, Russ just uh, did it in one respect when he mentioned that uh, children's catechism, God can do all his holy will. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, he, he is all-powerful, um, but we, the power of God in its actual exercise limits itself to his eternal decree, what he, his holy will is. You know, his actual, you know, and that actual exercise of his power it doesn't represent the limitation or his, the limit of his power because he could, if, had he wanted to do more, he could have done more. Um, you know, he can do more than that if he was so minded. So, you know, we, that's his absolute power. That's his the power of potential, you might say, um, which is that limitless power. But he actually does all his holy will. Mm-hmm. That's his decreed will. That's what he. That's that's the things he actually has done. Um, well, these aren't things that are for mere speculation. These things that we're asking actually bring admiration and adoration of God. So, in the book of Job, especially, Job replies to uh, Bildad in in Job twenty six. And he starts to speak about uh, how Sheol is naked before God. He talks about how God covers the face of the moon, how he inscribes a circle on the face of the waters, how by his wind the heavens were made. Mm-hmm. And then he ends in Job chapter 26 by saying, behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. And one of the other translations say, these are just but the fringes of his ways. And you get the idea of how your your shirt starts to have thread come off of it, you know, on your sleeve, and and that's how God describes the universe. That you haven't you haven't seen anything. God mm-hmm. could could have created numberless more world, numberless more worlds than He has, numberless more beings than He has, numberless more creatures than He has. What and and we haven't even started to really scratch the surface. You were talking about it in an earlier show of the creation and human potential and all of these other things, and uh, these are just the beginnings of God's works. Yeah, he, you know, when. Um, you know, Christ was um, 
Christ, Christ makes this comment here. He says, don't you think I couldn't appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 10, 12 legions of angel? There's his absolute power. He mm-hmm. could, he could do that. You know, there's more, yep. more there, but he's always, he's, he doesn't exercise power on a whim. Right. You know, none of the miracles that he did was just, it wasn't uh, so that he could just, you know, there would be some, you know, satisfaction in doing, uh, oh, let me see if I can feed 5,000. You know, right. it was always for a purpose yep. in that he, nothing was on a whim. It always served his um, will. Yep. Yep. Voss um, makes a, a great comment. He says, God does not will all that lies within the scope of his power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he has a power that exceeds at times what falls within his decreed will. Mm. Um, and so the example about Jesus, don't you know that I could call the legions? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The powers, it, it, it's not a question of power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a question about what is the will of God at that particular moment. And, and that verse does show how the attributes of God work together. Mm-hmm. God's not operating his power independent of his wisdom or his decree right. or his omniscience. They're all together. It's one, one God. And we need to know that whatever he wills, he accomplishes. He, you know, Nothing can thwart him because he's all-powerful. Nothing is beyond him because he's all-powerful. Nothing can counteract him because he's all-powerful. Mm-hmm. So his power is sufficient and infinite in that regard. Yeah. So Voss's can't, comment can't be flipped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, and yep. I think we can't talk about the power of God um, without talking about the cross. Mm-hmm. Because God's strength, well, as God put it to the Apostle Paul, my, my strength is, is made manifest in your weakness. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, in what looked to the world like weakness, the, the cross of Jesus, the great surprise of the gospel is that it turns out to be the greatest display of power in the history of the universe. Yeah, amen, that he was able to absorb the wrath of God for sinners. Mm-hmm. and save wretches like us. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been the Gospel for Life. We look forward to seeing you next time. 